Everyone's talking about the physician burnout and it's there. But the vast majority of physicians and, and APPs, they're not hanging up their cleats, you know? So they're trying to hang in there until the industry as a whole comes to a, an answer. And that's dedication and perseverance. Welcome to the Emergency Medicine Workforce Podcast, where we explore the business and profession of emergency medicine. I'm Leon Edelman, an emergency physician and the co-founder of Ivy Clinicians. Our guest today is David Biankowski, Vice President of Talent Acquisition and Provider Services at NES Health. Dave was the former National Director of Recruiting at Altion Health and the creator of Smart Physicians Recruiting. I'm excited to talk to Dave about his perspective as a recruiter on staffing rural emergency departments. I met Dave way back in 2011 when he hired me into Emergency Medicine Associates, an emergency medicine group in the DC area, which is now part of US Acute Care Solutions. Dave learned from some legendary recruiting leaders there. He has now been recruiting for 18 years and knows how to simplify what can be a complicated process. What I do is, you know, ask people like what they're looking for. You know, some people are interviewing in New York, in California, in Texas, and this is going to be going to be a hell of a time trying to figure out how to get a job because all the packages are going to be different, all the companies are going to be different, all the culture is going to be different. So, telling people, you know, narrow down the geography, and then are they looking for academic or community? That will also narrow it down. Do you want to be in a partnership or do you want to be just work? Do you, are you looking for benefits or are you just going to be an independent contractor? You make those series of decisions, it brings your pull down of choices to you know three or four. So let's get into how we can optimize our group's recruiting efforts. To start, I asked Dave what we as physicians might not fully understand about the process. At any given time, you know, a recruiter is covering anywhere from 20 to 40 sites or maybe 10 to 40 sites, depending how many open positions there are or whatnot. You know, each of the sites has its own medical director. They have their own regional director. And there's probably mm-hmm. some administrator person as well. So also they have a lot of bosses to, you know, just like you guys have a lot of bosses to meet and stuff like that. Yeah. But to navigate that for some personal requests, sometimes like you come in and say, I really just want to work weekday days, all right? <laughs> and and you have a great resume and stuff. And some people, like, that was what they did. They found the job. I mean, great. But for a recruiter to be able to find that just because you want it all the time, isn't always there. So being flexible, it, it helps you get a job. If you have, come up with a lot of demands, you just get pushed down the list of candidates people the recruiters are moving through. And Emergency Medicine Associates was purchased by a private equity company and became uh, Altion. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that transition went and how recruiting was affected by the change in business model? So, again, this is just my perspective from the recruiting side of it. I mean, it was, you know, going from a group where everyone was hyper involved um, to a private equity model where the original owners still had some equity in the company, but didn't really have a say in the group and the future of the group. I mean, they had clinical say, but they're just a lot less control. Mm-hmm. I think it's tough. I think that shock is the same shock that anyone ha- any owner of a business has when they sell, right? Mm-hmm. And they're asked to stay around to help guide it for a period. Um, every model I've ever heard of has that. 
Mm-hmm. And everyone felt that, right? Because the way, you know, they want to try a different way and you say, well, we did it that way, but we did it this way because it didn't work, right? They just, that's the way everyone feels in those type of situations. There was a lot of that, some trepidation initially. And then the equity group we had had a hard time finding the right uh, CEO for the group initially. Mm-hmm. And so we went through a couple of CEOs pretty quickly. That was a little bit turbulent, but the local regional leadership of the group really kind of held it together because um, Ultion was really the combination of about 12 companies. So there mm-hmm. were about 11 that had kind of preformed and were more contracts, but equal volume to EMA and then EMA kind of so then there's the two halves. And so they all had their legacy partners and stuff. And so everyone just ran their divisions. And so it wasn't probably until about maybe two, two and a half years in where they all tried to really, we tried to integrate into all Tion instead of this divisionality. And once we started that, things started getting a lot better. Speaking of, of better, let's talk about your current company, NES. Can you give us a little bit of an introduction to NES and, and talk a little bit about what brought you to NES? Sure. So, um, well, Altion got sold. Right. And um, <laughs> I actually know uh, most, almost all the recruiting team at US Keep Care Solutions at the time, and they're a good company, but they had all their recruiting leadership already in place. Right. And so I was just looking for a place where I could do um, continue the recruiting leadership. And I knew of NES. Um, it is surprisingly similar and different to what I've kind of known. It is a national group. We have, I think we're in about 18 states, but we have around 40, 45 contracts now. So it's a, you know, right around the size, probably right around the size EMA was contractual wise, at least um, that EMA is when it sold, but over 18 states. So it's a much Mm. different, it's small in that regard. And that's like, you know, all the players and there's a lot less bureaucracy. There's not like 120 vice presidents or anything like that. But it's a little bit stretched out. And, and since I've been here since May of this year, we've actually taken over like 17 contracts. So it's in a hyper growth phase right now. So it's actually allowing us to create centers where we have contracts at. And that becomes very helpful for mm-hmm. recruiting when you just don't have a, you know, a fort out there in the middle of nowhere that you got to kind of supply, you know, recruit for that doesn't have backup. And so we're, we're creating that chain. But the familiarity of it, the local level of it is great. And while EMA was kind of a more of a, like a very metro centered place mm-hmm. that had higher volume contracts, the most of them being probably like 40 to 75,000 visits. NES has smaller places. We still, we have one we actually brought in the whole system is about 85,000 or so, but we have some as small as 4,500. That's not the, mm-hmm. the average size of it, but that's just a much smaller range. We have a lot of them in the, teens and 20s and 30s and these as opposed to being near a lot of them being near metro centers are in rural america which is new to me you know when um when i was at ema i thought you know i knew everything about recruiting and then we became altion and i applied for initially applied for the chief like recruiting role initially and they brought someone else in and they told me i didn't have enough outside experience and so then we became altion and i I learned a bunch more and I became, you know, I ran, the, I eventually ran their whole thing and I thought I knew everything. And then I came here and then, you know, just like any other time you change jobs, you realize there's a whole section that you haven't been exposed to. And so it's nice to learn that. And so this is the other side of it. I'm 
Now, I've touched on rural America through some of the EMA contracts, multi-owned contracts and stuff. But I think the size of the contracts and, and, and some of the locations I hadn't touched before. So that's a, it's a unique experience. Got it. And tell us more about what it takes to hire into rural sites. Because right, it, it really is a different beast. The communities and the hospitals are, are just incredibly grateful for this, for services. You know, you get to the bigger places and they're all like competing for these top accolades. Here, like it's really the fundamentals. They just want to provide a service to their community. Right. They don't want to have to shut their doors. Um, and so the you're looking at a different candidate pool, right? You're looking at people who have dedicated their life to rural America. Mm-hmm. You have looking at people who have potentially been, I hate to use the word, but exiled to rural America. And a lot of these are really good physicians who had a some they had a too high of a lawsuit they made a poor choice early in their career and now they're 20 years later then that's just the way it mm-hmm. is and so now they're working there and then you're looking at a lot of the legacy emergency medicine doctors who've been around for a long time and uh trained in family medicine trained in general surgery internal medicine maybe they became a bim but let it lapsed or they became aaps em certified and they've been doing it for a long time. And um, these are the places that these hospitals haven't changed their bylaws require ABIM only. So a lot of them are there. And uh, they run a lot of these community ERs. I mean, they don't run it, but they work, they staff a lot of these community ERs. If you didn't have them, you know, a large swaths of America wouldn't have hospitals. Right. At least ERs. And the other thing that, that I've noticed in working in rural sites in Tennessee and and North Carolina over the last few years is how much the PAs and nurse practitioners, how core they are to delivering care at these emergency departments. What have you noticed in terms of recruiting PAs and nurse practitioners into uh, rural sites? Like you said, it's essential. These hospitals, a lot of them are independent hospitals. They're independently owned. They don't have system like um, wealth to pull on. They don't have a bunch of other like hospitals to help fund to keep them up, keep them afloat. And um, they have to make choices in terms of they want to provide a service to the community, and to provide that service, sometimes it has to be staffed, maybe exclusively by mid-level providers or APPs. And how do you do that in a safe and effective way where the APPs are practicing at the top of their license? but everyone remains safe. And so those are, those are challenges that we face. Um, there are some places that, you know, are averaging less than a, you know, half a patient an hour and uh, it's low acuity. Those places probably can have a provider, an APP providing that ED service there, as long as there's a backup physician that they can call in, which might be the hospitalist right. Or, or that APP coverage overnight um, that because you can't find a physician, there's not a physician to cover for it. Or it's just not financially viable for the hospital to pay for physician coverage for it. Let's take a break to tell you about our sponsor, Ivy Clinicians. Full disclosure here, I'm Ivy's founder. Both as a practicing physician and ED medical director, navigating the job market felt like going back to the days of classifieds and smoke-filled rooms. Who staffs which ED? I don't know. 
Who should I contact there? I don't know. What's it like to work there? You get the point. So our team at Ivy created the Zillow of the emergency medicine job market. With Ivy, you can find all 5,549 EDs in the United States, filter them by your preferences, and connect with the right employers, all for free. Your data is secure with Ivy. You pick which employers can see your profile. Sign up now at ivyclinicians.io. When Ivy connects you with your next emergency medicine job, we will even send you a bottle of champagne and a bag of 321 coffee beans to celebrate. That's ivyclinicians.io. All right, back to the show. One of the things that you've done that's been impressive is is team building. Um, you've brought a lot of my favorite people from EMA over to to NES, and um, and you're really great at you know, pulling people together towards a common uh, mission. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you built your team at at NES? Well, you know the NES operations team that I, I came into. Yeah, they're they're a good team. Yeah, they they got through COVID together and. Uh, they had that camaraderie that we all, you know, we all gathered had with the teams that we went through COVID together, and suddenly, you know, they're doing this big push for bringing new business because, you know, um, a number of the hospitals that NES staff pre-COVID didn't make it through COVID, mm. so um, you know the contracts went away, so we're looking to grow again, and with doing that, you know, just a lot of starting new contracts takes a lot of effort in the man hours. So I, they recruited me in, and from there I knew that they were going to do this big growth. And we, and we had a, we have three recruiters currently with NES at the time. And I came from having about 28 direct reports. Uh, so it was a big change. All yeah. right. And so we brought in three additional recruiters. In addition to me, we brought in some more account managers to do, scheduling and payroll, uh, some additional credentialers. And then we also brought in a new chief operating officer. And these individuals that we brought in for these, a lot of them I knew from uh, my time at either at ENA or Altion, people I worked with hand in hand. And, you know, we had done a lot of this growth, um, these challenges that NES is facing, is facing as we grow and how to create a, program or a policy that's scalable as you rapidly bring on new contracts and how to manage more people and all the complexities that come with uh, having more people and more programs. And so, um, you know, I brought over Nicole Bergen, who uh, was my boss at ENA for years. And then she was a uh, vice president of operations with Altion. And so she came in and actually became our chief operating officer. So I now directly report to her again. Uh, and then I brought in two of my favorite recruiters, Karen Brown and Brooke mm-hmm. Patterson, who worked over at EMA and Altion. And um, also Jeanette Weikland, who was part of another kind of one of the legacy groups that created Altion. And we complimented Lynn Osborne, who had recently joined NES from Team Health. Mm-hmm. And Sue Troby, who'd been with NES for five or six years, and, and Michelle Moore, who kind of graduated from being a recruiting um, coordinator or like a assistant to uh, a recruiter right before I came on. And so that's kind of the core recruiting team we have there now. And then on the credentialing side, 
they've had some really legacy people who've been there for a long time, Cindy uh, Morgan and uh, Carol Smith. But again, we needed more people, so um, brought in some credentialers, uh, Leslie Glenn and Corinne, who I worked with at uh, Altion. Whatever you guys are doing, it's working because so at at Ivy Clinicians, one of the things that that we do is is keep track of every emergency department in the in the country and who's staffing it. And I can't keep up with with all of your all your new contracts. Literally, you keep you you emailed me about one that I missed, and I was like, oh, I thought. Anyways, tell us more about how you guys are picking up so many so many contracts. Well, um, Dr. Neil Shambam is our uh, our vice president of business development. He was one of the owners and founders of Pegasus. So he actually has, he has a really good understanding of uh, rural America contracts and uh, paired with our chief me- uh, medical officer, Dr. Steve Wexler and our CEO, Jen Moore, you know, they have, they, they've done this for a living prior to, you know, prior to me knowing them. And, uh, but one of the th- interesting things is with this current environment where these larger groups are, you know, need a 12, 15% margin on every contract, they're dropping a lot of these rural contracts mm-hmm. or or they're not providing the type of services that the hospitals want because of the need for that. And so they're coming to places like places like us and there's some other groups like us out there who are able who you know work within this more rural hospital realm. Right. One of the other things we're really, we've kind of made a name for ourselves out is quick startups. Um, and so when we were like EMA, Altion, it was like, you had 120 days, 180 day notice sometimes for these contracts. So you can gear up and they're bigger ones, so you need it. But some of these smaller ones, you know, it's been eight days, 30 day notices. Some of them were, you know, like the record 90 days or so. Mm. But, you know, if you're getting within the, two months or one month startup time frame, it, it's it's a rush yeah. um, to get everything done because you have to, you know, it's a smaller program, but you still have to get all the legwork. I mean, you know, if the place is 4,500 visits or 10,000 visits, this is the same staffing, right? right? right. The same number of FTEs you got to hire with the same amount of work. And so that's one of the things that we do and we've been successful at it. Uh, I think that allows some of these other smaller hospitals some flexibility that they wouldn't have otherwise because they have something they want to get rid of, but they have a small window with how they made the decision. And otherwise they have to renew for another two or three years. And so we're able to go in and quickly uh, help change culture. And how do you do that? How do you bring in that many FTEs on a, within 30 days or 60 or 90 days? Masterfully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's it's a challenge. So, I mean, obviously you try to retain as many people as you can. Mm-hmm. And then you try it, you go out and find whom you can. And then the other thing you have to rely on is also locums. I mean, if you're doing that quick of a startup and you're at they want a full re-recruit, there's an understanding that for a period of time, there'll be locums coverage until we put together the correct team um, or, or some type of premium coverage. Uh, one of the interesting things I'm learning is that, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of hiring full-time staff and then part-timers and PRNs. Usually, like, you hire them for people who you know, who've been with you, who can burn down, or someone you already know, like, you have some history with, you have a few of them for bench strength. 
but you know, uh, NDS has an independent contract, independent contractor model. Mm -hmm. And in most of the places we go, you know, that's kind of, that's all the physicians are expecting it to be. So while someone might sign a PR agreement, they might work 14 shifts a month on average, but they don't want to be bound by it. Or if they sign a full-time agreement, they might not always work this full-time hour. So learning, that was a learning curve in terms of that for me, because I really want to go in and I want to make sure like, I know that budget hours, my contracted hours match or right. the difference is that it's not always so black and white. And so, you know, we do hire a lot of PRN folks, uh, too many, but they uh, provide, you know, the bedrock that we can take these, these startups. I mean, maybe we don't need them for, they don't, maybe we don't rely on them as much in the future, but in a quick startup, if they're offering three or four shifts and you have eight days to set up a contract, that is three or four less shifts you have to worry about for the next three months. Yeah, you've, you've really turned this into a, into a science. Well, I doubt. <laughs> so I have a few concluding questions. One is, what makes you hopeful about the future of emergency medicine? You know, it, there's always going to be a need for it. Um, and there are a bunch of new physicians coming out who are eager and interested. And everyone's talking about the physician burnout, and it's there. But, you know, the vast majority of physicians and, and APPs, they're not hanging up their cleats, mm -hmm. you know. They're, they want to find a solution that works, whether it's today or tomorrow. So they're trying to hang in there until the industry as a whole comes to a, an answer. And so and that's dedication and perseverance. Got it. And um, on a lighter note, what book or movie would you recommend to our audience? For movie, um, I love Casablanca. And book, uh, I'm a Hemingway fan, so you can choose it. Nice. Well, what about Casablanca? It gets your attention. I remember the first time I watched it, I'm like, this is full of cliches. And then I realized that they're not, they weren't cliches when the movie came out. Right. They, <laughs> it's what made the cliche. Yep. All right. And if folks are inspired by what you've, what you've done at NES and want to connect with you, what's the best way to reach you? I, I think you have my LinkedIn number here somewhere, but uh, my work email is david.bienkowski at neshealth-care.com. So Dave, thanks thanks so much for doing this and uh, thanks for hiring me to, to my first job. This really has been a treat for me and hopefully our audience uh, learned a lot. I do have to tell one one story before, before we go. So Dave and I, um, I think this was 2014, we're on a scavenger hunt, an EMA scavenger hunt together. And the task on our in our team was to go to Crate and Barrel and sign up for um, a wedding registry together. So uh, I think we might still be signed up as the uh, Dave Biankowski, Leon Edelman wedding. Uh, I <laughs> Crate and Barrel. So we go way back. Well, Dave, thanks for thanks for doing this. This has been a treat. I learned a lot. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Emergency Medicine Workforce Podcast. If you have feedback for us or just have some thoughts on this episode, hit us up on social media at EM Workforce. And don't forget to subscribe now to this podcast on your favorite podcast app or at emergencymedicineworkforce.com. This podcast is edited and produced 
by EarFluence. I'm Leon Edelman, and if you're in the emergency medicine trenches, I appreciate all of the work that you do. We'll see you again soon with the next episode.